Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the podcast today, we have Alexa Doman. Alexa, welcome. Thank you very much, Thomas. It is my pleasure. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, yes. Uh, I am a career and life coach and I work with individuals and companies working towards their personal growth to help their professional development. That's what I do. How I got there is another story, but I'm sure we will get onto that. Did you want to get to your story? Sure. (laughs) It's a good place to start. Yeah, so um, it all started about eight years ago. I was in a bit of a transitioning period in terms of my job. And like most people do when they're in a transitionary period, I went to Asia to volunteer in the middle of nowhere. Um, And I had lots of time and space to really think and reflect on what I wanted with my goals and with my life to move forward. As a consequence of that, I moved to Spain. But this idea of me being so lucky to have that time and space and wanting to give that to other people resurfaced. And I was chatting with a friend and they said, oh, that sounds like what a coach is. And I said, what's a coach? And then he told me and I went for coaching myself and was like, yes, this is exactly what I want. It's uh, forward focus. It's motivational. This is what I'm good at. This is what I believe in. And so I did my training about six years ago. And then since then, I've been doing this in Spain. Do you enjoy it? I do really enjoy it. Yeah, it's... um. When you're in front of a client and you think, oh, an hour, how are we going to fill that? And it's amazing what can be accomplished in an hour and 45 minutes or 30. And just to kind of watch the clients evolve over time is is a joy. Yeah. So, yes, I do. And do you have a cool story about how you got your first client? A cool story about how I got my first client? I've a friend of a friend would be how because you have to have so many training hours when you're with a coach but it was quite cool this friend of a friend was in New York so that was quite cool to have like an international client sort of first off um but a really good lesson came to me when I was doing my training I had two clients with the same problem they didn't like their job they wanted to change their job and that's what they were absolutely focused on one of the things of being a coach is you don't judge you don't assume anything and so one of them was, I need to change my job. I hate it. I want to train. I'm going to speak to people and network the usual thing. The second client, I hate my job. So I was thinking, you need to network. You need to retrain. That's what you need to do. And in the end, she decided that actually she liked her job because it gave her all the other things that weren't to do with her job. So she learned to appreciate her family more, her work-life balance more. So that was a cool first lesson for me. Don't assume, don't judge. The client is the focus. It's not my opinion. So that was a, a cool first lesson for me, yeah. Do you, uh, do you often get that kind of, I think I know what the issue is, uh, and you have to hold back from kind of sharing that with the client? All the time. Not, not so much now because I can recognise it and I, I can just let it go. Um, But it's that balance because they are working with you for a different opinion. But it's the way that you present it. You present it as an offering, like, oh, something just came up. That they are very welcome to go, oh, that's absolute rubbish. 
I think that's really important. You don't present your idea as the answer. It's just, this is an idea. What do you think about that? That's something that you can do, but more often than not, you just bite your tongue and and ask away. But yeah, it, it's tricky at first, but you get used to it. Well, in that instance, you've got um, two sort of similar scenarios. Are there mm. typically um, issues that come up over and over again? Typical issues come up are, in my opinion, people putting obstacles in their own way. So little things like um, typically house stuff or finance, like I don't have my finance organisers, I don't have um, the, the house organised, I don't have this, and people, I don't have this qualification, and people put blocks in their way when actually, if we looked at it from a different perspective, I would argue that they're relevant. So that's a typical one. Sort of people self-sabotaging is a really, really uh, common one. Again, with with perfectionism, procrastination. These are all sort of big topics, and when you start to scratch the surface, the same things do tend to come up again and again. Which is great because if you feel that, you're not alone. So I think that's that's useful to people listening to this. Like you are not alone if you are procrastinating, if you put things off, if you are putting obstacles in your way. Everybody does it, but we can totally overcome it. But self-imposed limitations, is that right? Indeed, self-imposed limitations. Again, I don't have time. But who chooses how you spend your time, you do. So it's all that part of taking responsibility for what we can control. And how can we improve things bit by bit? I think people want this kind of this magic wand. I often say to clients, you know, if I had a magic wand, what would your life look like? And, oh, you know, it's a drastic change. But life doesn't work like that. We need to move the needle step by step. But if we don't do anything, the only guarantee is nothing changes. Ever had anyone that you had to coach, which is like the complete opposite of, of that? Just like I can do, <laughs> I can do anything type attitude yes yeah so I've 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 got two I've got one who was like just didn't do anything they just complained and they complained and they complained and I I used all of my skills and all of my experience and they they ultimately didn't want to change so I think that's really important if you're going to start working with you know an external person such as a coach the coach needs to check that they really are prepared to put the work in just sitting and talking for an hour isn't going to change that's the coaching sessions are just the touchstone it's the work in between that's the big one but going back to your question I do have a client and she is great she, we started working together and she's I want to leave my job now she wants to be a millionaire and she sends me her review of the work before the session so that we can get straight to the big stuff you know we're not wasting time with oh I did this and did that and they are pages long. And it's fantastic to work with someone like that who's super motivated. Yeah, so there's a whole range from people who they talk the talk and then there's other people who are running the walk. Yeah, so there's a whole range of, of people that I work with. Does it take a while to um, differentiate between people who do and don't want to change? Honestly, no. <laughs> I think at the beginning... Yes, but now you you can see. And um, 
some people might be good at hiding it but within one or two sessions you can tell and that's absolutely okay because they're in charge but it's still your job to get them to where they feel comfortable to be you still want that growth maybe it's a small thing but maybe for them that's huge step you don't know but the idea is you kind of have to keep chipping away even if there is that that resistance yeah they're tough well one of the things um which is i think in the messages before we got on the podcast and that was um going from motivation to action and you touched on something previously which was you used all of your kind of strategies and things so i'm not asking for secret sauce but um, what what are some of the go-tos for if you wanted to take someone from, I guess it's not quite the same because maybe that they're not motivated, but if what would you do to kind of help someone go from motivation to actually doing something? So you do want the secret sauce. <laughs> not all of it. No, no you, all of it, it's, it's, not, it's not a problem. It, it's, it's not a secret. I think that's, that's the thing that I would love to, to share is that all of this stuff, people are mostly aware of they've just perhaps forgotten or decided that they don't want to access it how would I motivate someone I guess the key thing for me is action people think of oh I must be motivated and then I'll take the action but actually if you take action you become motivated it's like a, it's like a renewable source yes you've got to have that spark like okay I'm gonna get out of bed to go to the gym but more often or not, when you're at the gym, oh, this is you get that feeling and you want it again and again and again. Again, the other argument would be even if you don't feel motivated, I mean, how often do we feel motivated? Is do it anyway. And again, that creates progress. The other thing that action creates is clarity. And by creating clarity, people can see the next steps so that there's less obstacles. Often people sort of use the fog as a way of, oh, I don't know what to do. But if we clear the fog, we can see better. We can see what action needs to be taken. We can be more motivated. Great stuff. I think. (laughs) So um, have you got examples of how you've used those principles? Um, I guess probably if I sort of speak personally, is uh, a big, huge project I had to do, which I had no motivation for, was to make my website. And I, I made my own website. And I kept on putting it off and putting it off because I wasn't motivated. So then I decided, right, I'm going to take action. What can I do? I can either contain it by task. So, for example, I'm going to upload all the imagery. Or I'm going to do 30 minutes. And that's my action. Whatever that 30 minutes might be, I'm going to take that action. So I think it's really important, and I recommend this to my clients as well, that you create a container. You don't just say, right, okay, I'm going to get a new job. You have to break it down. You have to create that container of, okay, I'm going to spend an hour updating my CV. I'm going to spend 45 minutes contacting people on LinkedIn and create that container because you are then more motivated to try it because you have that clarity, but you also get that little tick, you get that little win once it's completed, which again goes into that self-renewal motivation cycle. So I think creating the container for myself, and then I recommend this for my clients as well, is absolutely 
absolutely key. Would you say that you're quite a motivated person? What do you think, Thomas? I think you're bringing a lot of motivation to this call, <laughs> which is why I asked. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. No, I'm really, really motivated. And I think that's one of my strengths as a coach. And I, I work as a, uh, worked as a teacher as well. And obviously, as a teacher, you have to be very motivated. So I've always brought that to, to the work that I've done. And I hope it rubs off on people and inspires people. But yeah, I'm, I do what I do because I'm passionate about people helping themselves. I'm not sort of egotistical enough or arrogant enough to think that it's me, it's them. But if I can help hold a hand, create some clarity, give a little push, give a little inspiration for that person to pull themselves up or push themselves along, I'm in. That's why I do what I do. Have you got some favorite examples of um, sort of before and after case studies? I know you mentioned the person who takes action on everything, but um, anything else? Yeah, she was good. She was good. Oh, there's so many. I think. There was one, well, there's, there's two. There's one that was really easy, if you will. Um, and they were working in the music industry and COVID hit. They didn't want to be working in the music industry anyway. So they were already looking at ways to get out. But they, again, they just couldn't see how. And I started working with them. And they just kind of decided, right, software, that's what I want to do. And every time we we spoke, they were just doing these tiny little, they, they'd figured it out. And we had the calls just as a, as a reflection. Oh, okay, this is working, that didn't work. Little bits of improvement. So that was a really nice kind of like, wow, they've, they've just got it. And I'm just there as a cheerleader, which is what I can be. And then the other side was... Uh, I've just finished with this client actually in January. They were in a really, really dark place in terms of sort of family, relationships, health, job. And we finished with them now. They are closer with their family than ever. They are starting their own business. They are putting themselves out there on the internet, on social media. Their day, like just a complete turnaround. Um, and that was just wonderful to hear. And the best thing about sort of when you finish with a client, because I don't keep them forever. That's my thing. I want to empower them for a period and then set them free. Um, and when you set them free, we also talk about their next goals. And it's so inspiring to hear them say, well, if I got myself from this place to this place, imagine where I can go now. Um, and that's where this person was. This person was, again, like, I'm going to reach for the sky. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. That is cool. Is that not a, a bit of a, shall we say, bittersweet moment in the sense that you kind of have this close relationship with this person and you help them loads and then it's kind of the, you know, if you empower them to to kind of help themselves, it's kind of the end of that relationship, if you will. Yes, completely. Um, and I didn't know this I know this now but I didn't at the beginning um but what tends to happen is the last session that we have I get this sense that they don't need it I don't need you anymore Alexa you've taught me the tools I've taught myself the tools you've empowered me enough I don't need it 
And I always say to them at the beginning of our journey together, that's what I want. It's a kick to the ego. You don't need me anymore because there are times when I am very needed. But generally that last one, they're like, yeah, I've got this. Bye. So, yeah, it is a kick to the ego. But it is wonderful to have clients who come back because they want the next level. So I've had people who wanted to focus on sort of their relationships with themselves, with others and their health. And then they've come back to me two years later and now they want to start their own business. And that is awesome. Yeah. I guess it is quite rare for a human being to have everything in their lives completely sorted. So I do see the need um, if, you know, if you get, if you're sorted out in that particular area and you think, actually, I'd like to approve upon this, going back to your coach and saying, got a new, new goal or a new target. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, a refresher as well. This person, again, uh, another person during lockdown, they were, they were really struggling and now they've pulled themselves back up again. You know, they've started hobbies like sailing. Uh, they had really bad health issues. They've sorted their back out, their relationship with their family. And now they are, I want even more. And it's a pleasure to work with people like that because you've got that past experience of, okay, I know this person is prepared to put the work in. You know that the sky's the limit. And I had a call this week and um, I said to them, as I say to them at the beginning of every session, what's your goal? What's your outcome for the end of this conversation? And um, they said to me, I don't know. I just want more. I knew that you that you were going to ask me that. I just want more. Okay, let's get more. And we did a huge brainstorm and we had so many things. So, yeah, I think, I just think it's really great to have an external help if that could help you. I'm not saying coaching is for everybody, but for some people. And it's not necessarily that you're not motivated. In fact, motivated people, they just need that extra little help. and. Uh, off they go. Have you given any thought to that topic of, um, let's say, what percentage of people would benefit from coaching? A hundred percent. No, I think it very much depends on the person. Um, I do think everyone should try it. I know lots of companies now are offering it. And I think if you have the possibility of working with a coach through your company, you should try it. If you like it, great. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, that's absolutely fine as well. But I remember when I, I started and um, coaching wasn't quite very popular now and uh, lots of companies are taking it on board as, you know, instead of training. But when I first sort of started telling people that this is what I was doing, um, people weren't very nice. And uh, one of my friend's husband said, <laughs> why do I need a coach? I've got a wife. Um, and I thought, wow, you probably need coaching if that's your response. Well, I was um, actually going to say, you probably don't want to coach someone like that. No, I don't. I don't. But it's in, it is interesting um, that sometimes people who they have this provider, I don't need help. And then actually they speak to someone and they realize, wow, the power to have someone who is objective, non-judgmental, and just to be heard. 
lots of people that I work with, wow, someone just listens to me for an hour and I don't need to ask them. I don't need to justify myself going on. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. It also reminds me of a quote, which is um, uh, people who say that, that you can't do something, what it really means is they can't do something. Yes, yes. And that's so good. That's so good. And when I first started exploring if I wanted to do coaching, I, I went on various mini training uh, sessions. And one of the things was, how often do people listen to listen or do they listen to talk? And that just, I've got lots of friends. But it's true. If you speak to your friends, oh, well, that reminds me of the time I had a similar problem. No, but I'm talking about me. And I think that's what coaching can do, can give that space, not just for you to talk to talk, but for you to talk and us to get deeper, not just that surface level that perhaps if you're speaking with a friend or a colleague, you only stay here. And really the magic is here when you, when you peel that onion, so to speak. Was that a difficult skill to learn or did you have, you know, a natural skill of, of doing that? It was difficult to learn because we all, communication is listening and speaking. So to hold that, judgment and to I know the answer I want to help you but that's not what coaching is you want the person to help themselves so it's that switch and many times when I was first started I know the answer I know exactly I know exactly what you need to do and now it's a pleasure to be wrong for the clients to come up with their own ideas and and I, it's a very much a two-way process and many times after a call I've quickly had to write down their ideas because I want to implement that for my life as well so I think it's a really really special relationship that it's reciprocal and it I think is testament to the power of coaching is that you are the driver you are the pilot I'm just the person with the map with other options but you are always in control and it's kind of wonderful to watch how other people drive and which other way they go. I wouldn't have even thought of. It's interesting because you did mention it's kind of like a you're there to listen in a sense. But at the same time, do you do you get to learn from them much? Is that a, a common occurrence? For me, all the time. It could be what to do or it could be what not to do as well. Or it could be confirmation of, ah, yes, you know, I'm doing things well, we're doing things well. But yeah, I would say all the time, and particularly when you're working with people who have blocks, because we all have blocks, and to see how they do different ways to, to overcome them is really great. Some people, right, I'm going to go at this, they have no patience, whereas I might be a bit more reserved. So it's quite nice to kind of learn a different way of attacking things. And then I would offer that as well. You know, is there a timeline? What would it mean if you didn't hit that timeline? And just kind of explore what, what it really means to them. And it's wonderful when you say something to them. And, you know, it could be the tiniest thing, but they've interpreted it, interpreted it as something huge. And they go, you're right. 
I actually didn't say anything. <laughs> and I think that's really wonderful as well when they come to their own conclusions. But thanks for telling me I'm right. But thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Put a little smiley face on my paper. Yeah. So what does prioritizing priorities mean? Mm, yes. Uh, so this is a workshop that I, I do, prioritizing priorities. And one of the big things, and this kind of goes back to obstacles, is that there's so much that we need to do, so much that we want to do. Where do we start? We start with, people typically start with the quick wins, or they start with the things that they can see. Emails, a classic one. Oh, oh, I'm going to attack the email box because that number is too big and you can see it go down. You can waste hours and hours on that. Actually, is that key to the project you're doing, to the business that you're trying to grow, or is it something else that you're avoiding? So prioritizing priorities is, uh, yeah, there's various different ways that you can, can tackle just checking that you are you're putting those things first. For example, I'm sure you've heard of Eat the Frog. Brian Tracy. That's it. But it's, it's that idea. Okay, let's do the thing that's going to distract us that we know is the most important and that's really going to take us to where we are rather than just messing around with these little things that we know ultimately aren't helpful. And that feeds into that demotivation as well. I spent all day attacking my email box and it's the same number that it was. I know that I shouldn't have been doing that. And it was a waste of time. <sighs> Don't want to go to work tomorrow. It's that sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. So what are some of the priorities for you at the moment? Oh, well, as an entrepreneur, I have a list as long as my arm, but it is genuinely a priority to rest. That's my priority to actively rest. I think that's my priority in August. In Spain, everything shuts down in August. So even if I wanted to go for it, I can't. So my priorities are to rest um, and get things in order for September because September is really when people, that back to school vibe, that's when they're right. Okay, here we go. I'm rested after summer. Let's go. And I really, when there's that push, for example, in January as well, it's a really great time to kind of help people because they've got that impetus already. So my priority is to get ready for me to help other people in September. So what does rest look like? Oof, I would say rest looks like being on my bicycle. I like my bicycle a lot uh reading and just yeah I think play is play is a big part of rest for me so it could be even sort of making videos for social media for me that's play that's creativity um I live in Madrid it's a beautiful city just walking around is a delight uh so that's really important as well um and we have these huge city pools that you can go and just lie all day so I know that's not play but that's that's definitely rest so I'll be doing that for sure certainly sounds relaxing so um if you were to let's say give someone some advice 
mm-hmm. on prioritizing priorities. As some might mm. say, it's someone you care about. You've got a small amount of time with them and they could do with some of this advice. I know it's not quite what you would do as coaching, but let's say just hypothetical. What would you advise sure. them to do? I would actually, I'm going to be annoying and get them to do the work as always. And a very quick way to do that is have a list of everything that you want to do this week. And then look at that list. What really matters? What is really going to get you closer to where you are? Cross things out, move things over to next month. Actually, that's irrelevant. Focusing on the few things that would really move the needle. Then, piece of paper into the cost of you not doing those priorities. What is it? And then I know it's obvious, but the opposite side, the benefit of you doing those priorities. Because very often, oh, I didn't do that. So that means bad, bad me. And we kind of punish ourselves. But actually, if we can start to flip the switch of if I did that, huh, I'd save some money. If I did that, that would mean in September, I'd be one step ahead of the game. Hmm. Okay. And it's, I, I get people to do that in my workshop and with my clients as well. And you just kind of get silence and nodding of heads like, yeah, yeah, I see it. I've got it. And that, that's what I would recommend, that cost benefit of not doing what you already know. I'm sure, Thomas, you have in your head all these things that you're like, I know they're priorities, but I kind of don't want to do them. So if you think about that cost benefit, I think that that helps give some some insight. It's a good one. I mean, for me personally, the cost benefit is just going to be a monetary amount. But if I were to um, actually calculate what that number is, it might influence me a little bit more than than um, it has already. So mm-hmm. I may well use that one. So thank but you. Then I would encourage you to go deeper what does the benefit of having that monetary increase mean? Oh, it means I can have this holiday. It means I can go to this restaurant. It means I can have this extension. And to build it more, things aren't just, you know, a figure or this isn't just this. Go deeper. What does it really mean is what I would encourage you to do, Thomas. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but I, I am going to um, turn it back around on you and ask you what, what happened in your last cost-benefit analysis. Yes, I need to do another one. I need to do another. I need to take my. I need to take my own advice. Um, my last cost-benefit analysis was uh, really deciding whether to take the step to become an entrepreneur or not. And I realized that the cost was my future income, not necessarily my current income. And when I looked at it like that, that really helped me. And the benefit being, well, maybe not this year, but next year, I'm going to hit that extra bracket. Um, And that was really useful to me as well. The cost of of not taking that step. Yeah. So I took the step. (laughs) And then what that means for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. And what that means to me, and it means I can reach more people, I can deliver the messages that I, that I want to do. And again, it's that, you know, that sort of action motivation thing, you know, I work with clients, but I also work with students as well. And um, I finished teaching, I, I teach at a business school, and I met them in the summer for, for a drink. And um, they were telling me, oh, Alexa, I've done this because of your course, and I've done that. And thank you so much. And it just reignites the fire okay I want to reach even more people so uh yeah the benefits just keep on going and going and going but you're right Thomas I should I should do it again see you're right you didn't even say anything it's good isn't yeah, I, it I, I literally used your words <laughs> repeated them back to you that's it that's it a lot of this stuff um I think would be highly beneficial for the topic of time management but um as it's a topic that you are familiar with is there anything mm. you'd like to add yes i think all of this goes together i think this kind of this this procrastination this priorities that goes in with time management and i think one of the key things uh, i have a, a stress and time management workshop and one of the key things that the the participants have come back with me is this idea of progress not perfection and people focus on perfection so they spend too long on things but also they procrastinate and not doing them because they want it to be perfect and I think if we just have that idea of done is better than perfect I think that's a really big help for time management the other key thing is we set the game up against ourselves I have a list as long as my arm I'm not going to do it I might do one or two things I'm not going to do it but what if I reduce that list? The magic number for me personally is five. Five things in the day that I have to do. Those are the five things. If I finish them and I have time to do something else, fantastic. If I don't, that's okay. But by choosing those five things at the end of the day, for the next day, it makes sure that I am prioritizing my priorities and I'm getting that, yes, I finished the whole thing. Well done, me. So I think that said it. Don't stack the game against yourself. Why are you saying that, you know, you need to win 9-0 the game? You don't. 1-0 is still a win. I think that's really important for, for people, and I think that's, that's really helped. Thank you. Great advice. Well, you mentioned that at the beginning of let's say your coaching calls or perhaps when you're working with a new person, you ask them about your goals. Mm -hmm. And I said, I wanted to ask you about yours. So did. Alexa, what are your goals? Uh, and I asked you if world domination was an acceptable answer <laughs> and you said no judgment. Um, I would, my goal is to reach more people. How that happens, we will see. But genuinely, I want more people to not just hear what I'm saying or people in my field are saying, but to actually take that action. And I think that's my goal is to I don't want to talk about motivation. I want people to implement the action. And that's my goal. How it happens, like I said, we will see. But yeah, I want I want to inspire people to really become who they want to become. And when you see people not even necessarily achieve that, but they are on their way to that, 
it's an inspiration back and it's an inspiration to people around. So that's my goal is for you to get your goal. Interesting. So um, how will you know when you achieve your goal? That's good. That's a very good question, Thomas. Um, I think it would be a feeling like, yeah, I've got this. And kind of knowing that I'm a, not me, but a go-to, that coaching is a go-to, that coaching is a real valid tool that people can lean on and push off on. I think that's when I'll know when people's, you know, they're coming to me and like, you helped my colleague, you helped my friend, help me too. That's when I'll know that I've, I've uh, reached my goal. So as a good summary, you want to be an authority in your industry? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll be looking out for you, that's for sure. Good, good. I look is forward it, to it. <laughs> is there anything that um, I haven't asked you about that you think would be valuable to the audience to mention? Um, I think this idea of self-care is one that that is useful for people particularly now as we're kind of in this transitionary period is to keep looking after ourselves and this boundary uh particularly as people working from home and the boundaries have shifted i think boundary work is a really big thing that that keeps on coming up with my clients and will keep on coming up in the future and for people to start to practice saying no to things. I think particularly British people, we really like to, oh, I'll, I'll let you know. Let me check my diary. When you know that it's a hard no, it wouldn't serve you, you don't have time, it's not quite what you're looking for. So I think for people to start to play with that no, both in their personal life but in their professional life, knowing from the outset, it's a no, and you don't need to keep that niggling feeling of how am I going to think of an excuse to get out of that? I think that boundary work is really, really important. Does it also um, sort of play into, you said the the mix between um, home and work in terms of mm. boundaries. Do you mean kind of um, where it's difficult to disting distinguish between the two? Yes, that's, def that's definitely one of them. Um, people particularly at the end of the day, they're finding it very difficult to switch off and they're working longer. They're not leaving, you know, they close the laptop, but they're not changing their work environment. They're not changing their clothes. There's not that transitionary period that we used to have. And I think people need to start setting that boundary. Okay, I finish work at six. At 6.15, that's a hard close. And to start being stricter with themselves. I set myself alarms like um, because, you know, I get in the flow, Thomas, and then the alarm goes, OK, that's a hard that's a hard no. Also, people seem to be struggling with bedtimes a lot and boundaries with that. The phone and the scrolling um, is really creeping into kind of like bedroom boundary as well. Uh, people seem to have their morning routine quite set up and there's so much on the Internet about that but I'd quite like people to focus a little bit more on their evening routine. You know, okay, so an hour before bedtime, what do I need to do to help me sleep better? Maybe I'll put down some things, the five things that I need to do tomorrow. 
on a piece of paper and put it in a drawer. I need to tidy the kitchen up. I'm going to lay my clothes out the next day and just kind of close the day. I think that's that's something that people could work on. Do you have something specific that you do like that? I have heard of um, someone getting suited up each day for work, even though they're working from home. And then when they, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I do. I do recommend. Um, I recommend a song. Just straight away, it just takes you out of there. So you, I have a sort of end of work playlist and I just put it on and, oh, okay, right, I would never listen to this if I was working. So it just kind of takes me out of that. Change clothes, putting the, I put the, the computer away and just kind of clearing, clearing the space. And it's very small things, but it just kind of means like, ah, oh, I can't ex- access the computer now, so I'm off. If an idea or something comes up, I can put it on a piece of paper and that can wait for tomorrow. But yeah, I do recommend, you know, changing, changing the environment, going outside for a second, you know, going into the garden or taking a quick walk. But yeah, just changing that environment really helps uh, close that boundary of, between work and home. So what should I play after we stop recording here? Oh! My goodness. I'd love to come up with a really cool one for you. Let me see. Mine's a bit sad, really. Hmm. Mm. A bit of Paolo Nutini. I know it's quite old, but I like Paolo Nutini. Okay. Anything particular? Iron Sky. Iron Sky. Right. Do you know that one? I will once we stop recording. Yeah, he has a very motivational speech, We Are the People. And very motivational. So it's like, yeah, I can do it. So I, I like to listen to that. Consider it done. Good, good, good. Let me know. Thank you very much for all the information. I think it's been a um, valuable and fun conversation. So thank you. Good. You're very welcome. Where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. Uh, also, I have my website and it's Alexa Doman. So Alexa as in Amazon Alexa, uh, Alexa Doman, D-O-M-A-N. And you, you'll find me with my website and the other social media. Alexa, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you.